I want you to imagine that an olive branch, instead of manufacturing aluminum cans or labels that would go on pesticides, those are a couple of the things we manufacture here in Olive Branch, or instead of there being lots of Amazon warehouses and things like that, that there was a idle factory, that there was a factory of silversmiths who produced little statues of a goddess named Artemis. And then I want you to imagine that the message of the gospel that we preach here at this church and teach here at this church was being proclaimed here in Olive Branch to the point that many of those people who had the little statues of Artemis that were manufactured here got together and had a big public burning in Old Town of all their little false statues and all of their books of magic that they were practicing on the side. On a side note, I was happy to see, by the way, that the witch store that was in Olive Branch, this is a real thing, not in your imagination, it closed down, so at least that's good. But that there was a public burning of all these magic books and all these little silver statues in Old Town, but then the people who still wanted to worship the false goddess got together at City Park and started rioting, and they were shouting out, Great is Artemis of Olive Branch. Great is Artemis of Olive Branch. Well, that actually happened in Acts 19. You can go and read that, but it wasn't in Olive Branch. It was in Ephesus. There was an idol factory in Ephesus making little silver Artemis statues. And Paul's gospel, not Paul's, but Jesus' gospel, that Paul preached, it went out into the city of Ephesus and there was a public burning of those statues and of the books of magic. And then the pagans rioted. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians at the stadium. That puts into context what Paul says when he's talking to the Ephesians and he says, put off the old self. And put on the new self. Let the thief no longer steal. He's talking to people who had to literally take idols and books of magic out of their homes so that they could get rid of, put off of their idolatry. This is a hard thing, I think, to talk about in many modern American churches. Now, it's getting easier because, like I said, even in conservative little olive branch, we had witch stores. The world is getting more and more post-Christian. But many of you here, actually probably most of you here, grew up Christian. Maybe even baptized as babies. And maybe you've never known what it was like to live a fully pagan lifestyle where you actually had literal false gods in your houses on your mantles. Or books which directly contradicted the scriptures on your shelves. Maybe some of you have converted as adults. Or maybe some of you had been in the church and then fallen away and then come back. But it's hard to talk about this idea of 
putting off the old self and putting on the new self if you don't really remember what it was like to be a pagan. But we can say some things. It's still applicable to some degree. One thing we can say is that if you are coming from a pagan lifestyle, I don't know if anyone here is, but if you are, Christianity means burning your idols. It means not going to the strip club anymore, not watching porn anymore, not sleeping around anymore. It means not watching, burning, throwing away the raunchy movies that have nothing but profanity and crude joking. It means that the end goal in life is not just to get famous or get rich or gain lots of money and gain an image for yourself. But it means that you have vocations, first to your family, then to your church, and then to the broader society that you are to use to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And what we can also say about this is that if you grew up Christian and you have never known those things, then do not be tempted to go explore those things. I think this is often more the danger maybe in our time for people like us here, is that we can see the things that we've never experienced and they can look, to some degree, at times, depending, enticing. And so don't go explore them. Lead us not into temptation. Now what is interesting if you do talk to adult converts is that while there are fundamental things that change, while there are books that are burned and statues that are burned, and while certain things about your life change forever, there are some things that do not change. And you can see that when Paul talks about the old self and the new self. It's still the same self. One's old, one's new, but you're still yourself. When Paul was Saul, he was a zealous persecutor of Christians. When Saul became Paul, he became a zealous evangelist. He was still the same self, and he was still zealous. There are things about personalities, things about intelligence, psychology, treasures that people have, abilities, skills, personalities, these types of things, they don't change when someone puts off the old self and puts on the new self. Paul uses anger here as an example. He says, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on anger. Both the old self and the new self possess anger. It's a natural human thing that everyone has. Some people are more angry than other people. The old self wants to use that anger to let it become a master. The old self wants anger to rule everything, to be outraged at everything all the time. No rest for the wicked, as the saying goes. And it wants to be angry at God and angry at his creation, wanting to destroy 
take his creation and switch everything around, make it chaotic. But the new self takes that anger and puts it towards righteous anger. The question with anger is always this, angry at what? Angry at God and his creation? Or angry at sin? Angry at injustice? Angry at wickedness? Jesus himself is often angry in these ways. It is righteous anger. It is okay to be angry when you see the wickedness in the world and to want God to execute justice in this time and in this place. It is okay to see the sin in your life and to be angry at it and to want to subdue it. But do not sin. That anger must not turn into something that hurts or harms our neighbor and his body. It can't turn into breaking the fifth commandment. And that anger also, it has an expiration date. It can't rule over everything. You can't go to bed with that anger day in, day out, and let it rule over everything. It's like the manna in the wilderness that God gave. Collect as much as you need for this day. And if you try and store too much, it's going to be rotten in the morning. The same thing is true with anger. It has a shelf life. So don't let your anger last more than the time of the manna in the wilderness. Also consider the thief. Something else that doesn't change is a person's hands. The thief is good at using his hands to steal in the old way. In the old self, as an unbeliever. But now as a believer, what is Paul's advice? Not cut off your hands, don't use your hands anymore. His advice is let him use his hands, labor, doing honest work, providing for his neighbor that he can have something to share with anyone in need. It's the same hands, it's the same self, but the question again, for what? What are the hands used for? And so you can do this even if you don't remember being an old self, even if you were baptized as a baby and have always been faithful. And if that's the case, by the way, that is a true blessing for you. But you can do this even if that's you. You can consider your natural talents, your hands, your anger, your personality, your intelligence, your treasures, your time. Your psychology, all of these things, yourself. And you can think about how you can glorify God with these things. Even as a little mind exercise, you can think about if you were a pagan, what would you be doing with these things? And how can you take that and turn it around on the devil and glorify God with what God has given you? It's similar to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. We all here have different selves. We have different gifts. But let each one of us use our gifts to the glory of God according to the grace given us. If prophecy, then prophecy in proportion to faith. In ministry, then in ministering. In teaching, then in teaching. So on and so forth. The self doesn't change. And whether or not you remember being an unbeliever, 
it's worth talking also, let's return to this, about what does change. The center of this passage from Ephesians is this. The new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When the Holy Spirit came into your heart and the word was preached to you and you came to faith. And also in your baptism, when you were washed. You were made righteous. You were made holy like your God is holy, righteous like Christ is righteous. In the likeness of him, you were washed, you were made clean. That's what changes. He took whatever pagan sins, whatever crazy past or mundane past you may have. He took whatever sins you've committed since, even struggling against that old self, even as a new self. He took whatever dirty, debaucherous, gross things of the past. And he took the silver idols and the book of magics and he burned them with his holy fire. And he purified you like a refiner's fire, leaving only the beautiful silver behind. And that washing, it changes everything in a way. Some things don't change, but in a way, everything changes. And that washing, it then guides you to be who you are, both with the things that change and the things that don't, in him. Because you have the truth. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Because when you have the truth, You can call things what they really are. When you know God and you know what he has done for you and you know how he has changed you from old to new and how he is changing this world from old to new, you are allowed to speak the truth. You can just call things what they are. Paul can go to Ephesus and he can proclaim even to the silversmiths manufacturing the idols who the true God of all people is. And so you can call things what they are too. Instead of just having fun, you can call vain pleasure seeking what it is. Instead of looking out for myself or looking out for number one, you can call idolatry what it is. And also, instead of what the world calls you, weak Christians, those poor Christians who rely on grace, you can call strong grace what it is. Instead of maybe a good moral teacher, you can proclaim who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you to your neighbors. And so calling things what they are, having been washed by the blood of Christ, you are new. So put on your new self today. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Be who you are in Christ, the self 
who he made you to be with all the gifts that he has given you. And also be who you are today in him with all the things that have changed, washed, made perfect, wearing the white robes of your baptism. And even when the pagans are surrounding you, shouting at you, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, great are the gods of Olive Branch, you can be bold. And you can burn those idols. And you can proclaim the salvation that you have in Christ as you walk in the newness of life that he has given you. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.